to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am so stoked to welcome Dr. Shireen Aubert. We met through Fate and Mutual Friends, and I'm a huge fan of her work. She is a certified pelvic rehabilitation practitioner and a doctor of physical therapy. She grew up as a dancer, which caused her to have some experience in her own pelvic journey, and now she spends most of her work days empowering and enlightening pelvises and talking about pelvic pain, pee, poop, penetration, pregnancy, prolapse, pleasure, perineums, periods, penises, and anything else pelvic-related. That's a lot of peas. Um, <laughs> and she finds joy in desensitizing sometimes sensitive topics. She has taught and assisted nationally, internationally, and in academic settings. In 2019, she traveled with some other esteemed practitioners to Kenya, representing Herman Wallace Rehab and Jackson Clinics Foundation, where she taught 34 physical therapists about pelvic physical therapy. And now I think they are some of the only PTs uh, in Kenya. Her career goal is to make pelvic physical therapy and rehabilitation the gold standard treatment during pregnancy, following childbirth, during during and after gender confirming surgeries, in urogynecological work, abdominal work, and breast surgeries. Hi. Hello. Gosh, what a mouthful. My goodness. (laughs) You know, it was even longer and it's all so good, but I hope that people will get like the same from our talk. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A mouthful. Thank you though. (laughs) Okay. So I, yeah, thanks for being here. I know why folks would go to you and why I refer people to you, but for people who aren't as familiar, why would somebody go see a doctor like you? Yes. So I think there's a common misconception, um, conception, perception that pelvic floor therapy is just for like the prenatal postnatal population like oh that's just for um you know someone that's pregnant or just had a baby or maybe like an older lady that's like sneezing and peeing on herself or something like that but it's really for anybody with a pelvis right so there can be imbalances in the pelvic floor that we'll talk about that can lead to bathroom issues intimacy issues so bedroom issues um, birthing, of course, and, and many, many, many other things. So I think a lot of people are surprised when they're like, wait, you don't see just women? Like, no, men come in too. They also have pelvic floors and anybody on the spectrum. So I like to say I treat men, women, and anybody in between. So after gender affirming or confirming surgeries, when you're making a a penis of vagina or a vagina, a penis, there can be a lot of scar tissue and changes in the pelvic floor. And so that's what a pelvic floor therapist specializes in is normalizing muscle tone, creating more blood flow, more mobility, so people can toilet, sit, be intimate, um, and just function better overall. All of the things. All of the things, yes. 
Yes. For people listening, if you want to hear an example of someone who might go to a pelvic floor therapist, you can go back to an episode that we did with Kana Cassard, um, a therapist who talks about pelvic pain. So go check that out if you haven't listened to it. But I know that on this podcast, I have like said the word Kegel and done lots of Kegels. Um, and that's when I, when I think of pelvic floor, that's what I think of. Yes. What is a pelvic floor? Like, what is that? Oh, that's that's a great question. I know. I think that's what people are like, wait, so you just talk about Kegels all day. I'm like, oh my goodness. No, that would be so boring for me. That's like saying, oh, you go to the gym and you only do squats, you know, like there's, um, No, there's so much more. So your pelvic floor is this beautiful basket of muscles. A lot of people like to call it like a hammock that sits in the, you know, from the pubic bone in the front all the way to the tailbone, attaches from the sit bones on the side. And they're in You think that's why you like to sit in hammocks like in your free time? Totally. (laughs) I'm like channeling my inner pubococcygeus. I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, you got that from there too. (laughs) You're so funny. Um yeah, and it's they're in charge of so many things. So I think they're best known for sphincteric, so holding and closing our holes and opening them when we want to. So holding black back urine or bowels or um, you know sphincteric functions. Um, they hold up our organs, right? So prolapse where prolapse comes in. I've done this for years, and I'm still super super amazed that if these muscles weren't here, all of our guts would just be falling onto the floor. So they hold everything up. They stabilize our pelvis. So some people come in with pubic bone pain in the front, like pubic synthesis pain, that's what we call it, or SI, sacroiliac pain, so that's like low back pain, um, and more of like the gluteal area, or coccyx pain, so tailbone pain. And they're also sexual functioning muscles too. So they relax so anything can go inside. They contract so we can climax and attain um, sexual function. And they're really a part of the core that people just forget about. So if you think of the core, most people are like, yeah, abs, but they're connected to your abdominals. So they're the the bottom of the pelvic floor or they're the bottom of the pelvis and they mirror the breathing muscles. So your diaphragm, which is right underneath your ribs. So if you think bottom pelvic floor, top diaphragm, front abdominals, and then of course you have your back musculature. And you have to have all of those working together to have a happy, healthy core. And so that's really the best secret is when people can learn to balance all those in their daily routine or in their workouts, that's when the 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 goodness happens. So it's really connected to everything. So if there's oh, an totally. issue in your pelvic floor, it's like the root can be the root cause of so many issues. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I think physical therapists, you know, they're known for like their musculoskeletal specialty, right? But in the pelvic floor, it's like a big old bowl. And of course, there's musculature and ligaments and tendons, but then you also have your reproductive system and your endocrine system and your nervous system and your digestive system. And there's a lot of crosstalk there. So that's why it can influence all those different systems. Is it connected to any other parts of the body that like you'd be or someone would be surprised to hear? Probably. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, I have groin pain. Well, there might be something going on in my like groin, like my inner thigh. It's like, oh, well, you could have some shift in your pelvis that's creating like a torsion in your pelvic floor and you could have referred pain into your groin. Does that make sense? 
I've heard of, I've heard of a connection to like the jaw and the mouth. What's that about? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So there's a lot of, um, so like I was saying, like pelvic floor is the bottom and then you have your breathing muscle, it's your mm-hmm. diaphragm underneath the ribs. And then that is connected through a nerve to like your nervous system, right? So like your vagus is one of the nerves, not like we're going to Las Vegas, but it's one of the, <laughs> the nerves. <laughs> and, well, that- and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I learned that the vagus nerve, as long as that is intact in someone who has a spinal cord injury, then they can still function in certain sexual ways. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? And so a lot of times there's holding patterns in the body. So when we're in that, you know, sympathetic fight, flight, or, or, or freeze stage, what a lot of people, that's what they'll call it. Um, there's holding patterns. Some people hold tension in their jaw or, or some people want to hold tension in their shoulders, right? The same thing can happen into your pelvic floor. Where we're just holding tension and it's different than other muscles because, if you're holding tension in your shoulders, you know, you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, relax my shoulders. So you have that visual input, but no one really knows when you're holding tension in your pelvic floor, right? Because they're like secret muscles that you don't have that visual input. And so that's why I think it's so hard to diagnose. A lot of people will see a lot of different specialists and then they'll finally come into a pelvic floor therapy and they're going to be like, why didn't anybody tell me about this? And it's like, oh, because it's just hard to diagnose sometimes if you don't have the right practitioner. Or because people don't care about um, sexual and reproductive health. Oh, gosh. I know. That's a whole other soapbox. <laughs> Maybe. I know. Gosh. Drives me nuts. Yeah. That's why sometimes it's not covered under certain insurances because they're like, oh, well, that's not um, essential. That's yeah. Essential. What, what a fancy word these days. <laughs> essential care. I mean, that's so fucked up. And in your bio, you talked about like a couple different things that all started with P and some of them I knew, which was like P poop penis. Um, but I would love to go through like yeah. what, what some of these actual pelvic disorders or struggles are. And the first one that I think I have on my list is prolapse. And when I hear prolapse, I just think of porn with anal prolapse. <laughs> oh my gosh. So maybe you can expand. And if you haven't seen that, Google it. Um, yeah. But maybe you can expand on like, what is the, what is a prolapse? <laughs> yeah. So um, a prolapse is the quick and dirty is it's just a Southern descent of the organs. So common prolapses are bladder or uterus or rectum. So a bladder would be called a cystocele. Bladder, you know, cysto is just bladder in Latin. Um, and then a retina. Uh, you know, because yeah. Latin. I don't, I don't know. Just fancy. They're not fancy words. If you break down <laughs> yes, the words, you're like. <laughs> well, Latin Greek roots, right? Yes. Anyways. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's just more of a Southern descent. So those would be typical. You'd feel, you'd see a prolapse or feel a prolapse out of the vaginal canal. There's also a rectal prolapse, which comes out of the actual rectum, right? And so a lot of the people that come in will be like, oh, with a prolapse, well, it'll sound like, gosh, I feel like a lot of pelvic pressure, or I feel like I can't completely empty. Or some will even say like, when I'm, if we're talking about pooping, like, oh, I feel like I can't completely get everything out. And like, do you feel like you want to put your finger in your vagina and like push, push it out? And they, their eyes get really big, like, yes. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's a prolapse. So, um, and these, most people are like, oh, I didn't even know this existed. Right. So when does this happen is probably what your, your 
thinking yeah, now. Like, well, how does that happen? So common um, after childbirth, right? So we have so many hormonal changes. Um, and there's this, that's, this is a whole nother soapbox, but you're just thinking like, oh, I got to just jump right back into going to Target right after I have a baby. It's like, no, we need to heal. In other countries, it's totally gold standard to have a baby and then go straight to pelvic floor rehab or pelvic physio, they'll call it. Um, so trying to create that in the same pattern here in the States. But so I feel like the theme, the theme of this episode is going to be soapboxes, but like just to add something in. And again, we, I think I've done an episode on this before with the, maybe it was with Emily Saldaya, I think for the free birth movement um, episode. And basically I know so many people who have had babies where doctors, OBGs have not explained to them what has Mm -hmm. happened in their body afterwards. And so Mm -hmm. this can include doctors literally cutting a part of your vulvar Mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. The perineum. And it can totally, yeah, can totally like impact your pelvic floor and then not telling them about it. And then people just being like, why does it feel like there's nothing there? Right. Oh my gosh. So like you could be having this and nobody's telling you about it, which is so fucked up. Oh, totally. And it's normal. Like, I think a lot of people understand, oh, I had a knee surgery. Oh, I had a shoulder surgery. I'm going to go to physical therapy to first maximize my function. Yeah. Like, oh, I just pushed a human out of me. Right. I should probably get some PT. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's where, that's exactly where I'm going. Like you got knee surgery, you go to physio before, try to maximize, then maybe you have surgery. And then after same thing, you work on the scar tissue, work on the blood flow, you work on the mobilization and then back to function. Same thing in the pelvic floor. So when we're talking about function in the pelvic floor, well, that's bedroom and bathroom and, and intimacy and all that, right? And sitting. So anyways, back to prolapse, we're kind of getting a little disorganized. Sorry about that. So um, it can happen commonly after childbirth, if if people have a lot of extra laxity in their joints, like a hypermobility, sometimes that will happen. If you've had, because um, you know, if you're going to have laxity in your joints, you're also going to have laxity in your organs. So they might sit a little bit lower. Um, if you are a chronic strainer when you poop, so I had to ask a lot about like, tell me about your poops, like fancy word be like defecation mechanics, but it's like, no, tell me how you really do toilets. Talk about posture. Let's talk about breathing. Are you pushing everything out and turning blue at the same time? Like that's not the best way to do it, you know, because who sometimes we aren't taught the right way to poop. And so that's what I do. Um, sometimes after, like when we go through, I talk about a lot of seasons in, if you're female, if you're in more of that perimenopausal, menopausal season of your life, there's a decrease of hormones, right? And estrogen. So sometimes that's a common time to see a little bit more prolapse as well. Oh, so Wow. Um, that's like only one and I'm already learning a lot. Oh, okay. The next, the <laughs> next one is, um, voiding disorders, which is mm-hmm. also known as like incontinence, meaning mm-hmm. you, or have trouble holding your bathroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So any sort of leakage or enabling to go unable to go. So if you're coughing, sneezing, laughing, jumping, having a little bit of leakage, or if you're walking to the loo and you're like, oh my gosh, now I feel like I have to go, right? That's not normal. You should be able to comfortably feel the sensation of like, oh, my bladder is talking to me or, oh, my rectum is talking to me. Comfortably walk to the bathroom, sit down and empty, right? 
how does this incontinence happen? Like, is it the same as the prolapse? Like it could be pregnancy, it could be aging, it could be, you just haven't been taught to like flex those muscles. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are never taught how to maintain a healthy pelvic floor. So I think it's normal knowledge to be like, oh, I need to go to the gym for all the rest of my muscle parts, right? I need to work my arms out. I need to work my core out. I need to work my legs out. But we're never really taught how to keep your pelvic floor happy. So after you've had a change in your pelvic floor, whether it's from having a baby or if you've had an activity that, so dancers, gymnasts, they horseback riders, they have a tendency to have a little bit of extra tone in their pelvic floor. And so they're never really taught how to relax. And I like to think of the pelvic floor like a trampoline. And if there's too much tension in the springs, you're not going to have that flexibility to move in both directions. And that's what would be called like a hypermobile, hypomobile or a hypertonic pelvic floor. So it's, I don't want people to think like, oh, just people with um, that are older have leakage. Sometimes when there's too much tension in the muscles, they can also have leakage too. Oh, good to know. Nice. I mean, obviously you can't go over the entirety of like how to have a healthy pelvic floor because that's something that like people right. would need to come to you. But like, are there a couple key things to to think about if you're like, like what's the equivalent of going to the gym for your pelvic floor? I like to always start with breath work. So connecting all those four components of the core and see if you can first just elongate and feel that relaxation and opening. Um, that's typically what I start with because you would never start and, and just do like a bunch of bicep curls, right? You would work in the full range of motion of the arm. And so you first have to attain that relaxation of pelvic floor before you start moving it. And then you move it with breath and then you can incorporate it into whatever activity you like, whether it's yoga or Pilates or you know gym workouts, but it's just having that awareness I think is most important. Okay. Next on my list is pelvic pain, which can be so many different things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, yeah, it's a whole, yeah. Listen to that episode. If you want to hear an example of pelvic pain, the one with Kena Kassard, but, um, there's a couple like words here that maybe folks wouldn't know. And I would love to go over those. Um, so pelvic pain is what it sounds like pain yeah. in the pelvic region. Um, and within that, there are so many different kinds of pelvic pain. So, one is dyspareunia. Yeah. Um, did I even say that right? Dyspareunia? Yeah, you totally did. Yeah, dyspareunia. So dyspareunia is just a fancy word for pain with sex. That's all it is. And there's different kinds. Um, some people will have pain with initial penetration. Some people will have pain with deep penetration, right? So the idea is you come in, you get evaluated, um, and then you set a plan of care that's appropriate for that person. Um some people have aperunia, so they are unable to have sex, right? So there's a big, big, big spectrum, but dyspareunia is just pain with sex. And a lot of times it's because there's too much tension or stiffness in the pelvic floor. Um, and so then we set a plan and, and go from there. And when I think of physical therapy, I usually just think of like physical changes. And I think something that makes most pelvic floor therapists stand out, especially I know in the work that you do is incorporating like an emotional component of it. And so 
what are we seeing as some of the causes of like dyspareunia for people mm, in addition yeah. to physical or on top of physical causes? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Mm, physical. Yeah. I do a lot of nervous system explanation and training. So we talk a whole lot about mindfulness because these are internal muscles and they're very, very, very connected to our nervous system. So if we're always in that sympathetic state, fight or flight, you know, that changes us physiologically. Our heart rate goes up, our blood pressure goes up, our, our pupils change, right? The actual size because our body's being, getting ready to get away from harm's way, right? And so there's also sometimes increase in muscle tone. And so that's why we talk a lot about mindfulness and whether it's relaxation or, you know, what's your self-care program? Um, do you like to meditate? Can, do you have breathing techniques? Like what do you do to bring you joy? And I don't hear that so much in like the ortho world, right? Because it's more like, okay, you had a total knee. What's your, what's your goal? We're going to get back to it, right? And a lot of times when women come in, especially with pain with sex, they've experienced it for years and they don't really know who to talk to about it, right? So maybe they're embarrassed to talk about it with their friends or um, maybe they even went to their practitioner, like their GYN and maybe their GYN said, oh yeah, just try out physical therapy or maybe yeah, just use some lube. Yeah. Oh gosh. Or drink some wine. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Just drink a glass of wine. It's like, oh boy, that's what if, no, 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 no. You wouldn't do that for anything else. So, um, yeah, unfortunately that's a really common thing that I will hear. I mean, sex should not have to hurt unless you want it to. And correct. Yes. Lot, which I'm a big fan of, obviously. But like, why, in your experience, why are people putting up? You said for years people are dealing yep. with this. Why are people putting up? I mean, I kind of know the answer to this, but like, why are people putting up with pain for years and not saying anything? Ooh, I want to know your answer too. Um, I think they just sometimes don't know better and they don't have. I'm a firm believer that our bodies are always talking to us all the time. And it can get really frustrating if you don't know the language of your body. And so that's what I see as part of my role is holding a space for people to getting to know the language of their own body. And sometimes our body is talking to us in leakage and pelvic pressure or pain with sex. And it's like, oh, we don't know that language. So that that's, that's like my quick answer, I would say. But I want to hear from you too. Like, why, why do you think that people put up with pain? In terms of pelvic pain, probably most people I've seen are female identified or vulva owning people. And so with those folks, I would say um, they really haven't been taught to express themselves around sex and like needs and desires. Absolutely. And so maybe they have been thought that like, oh, it, sex is maybe supposed to hurt, or I'm just right. supposed to grin and bear it. And if I bring it up, it's going to ruin the mood. Right. Um, and so they just don't say anything. And then their body does what it thinks it's supposed to do when we feel pain. It like reacts to yep. pain that is going to happen and totally closes off, which can impact up. like desire, libido, connecting with a partner. And then sometimes they don't want sex at all um, yeah. of any kind because the body thinks it's protecting itself. Yeah. Um, I would also say for any kind of pain, not just pelvic, probably for myself included, like whether it's how you value yourself, um, or potentially access to care and like money to be able to treat something or doctors who are not informed and don't care about 
you know, whatever. Um, but I think it's, it's a lot of work to work on pain stuff. And so sometimes people, um, don't feel like they have the energy or feel like they deserve. Right. Yeah. So you just get used to it and then you're like, okay, I guess this is just my life now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't so think they're sad. worth it kind of thing. I'll hear that a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's sad. It is very sad. I can't tell you how many times people will say, I wish I knew about this earlier. And I just, I, I hope by the time I retire that I'm not hearing that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you would hope. I mean, I, like I said, most of the people I work with with pelvic pain have vulvas. So I don't, I can, maybe I'm biased, but I also think it's a genderized thing because as we were talking about earlier, there are maybe more doctors who specialize in stuff that's going on sexually for people with penises. Um, but for people with vulvas, most OBGYNs don't get any classes on human sexuality or a lot of insurance companies don't cover stuff like this, or it's just not talked about. And so I do think there is a gendered component, at least in what I've seen. Yes, I would absolutely agree with you. Um, so going to other kinds of pain, um, Another is interstitial cystitis. Yeah, ooh, um, nailed it. That's such a hard one to say. Don't say it <laughs> Thank you. Fact. Thank you, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is that? Um, it used to be called painful bladder syndrome. So a lot of people will come in with urinary frequency, urgency, like just bladder, urethral pain, so right in front of their pelvis. Um, there's different classifications, but with all... And, I'm not going to go through it all right now because that's for a whole nother podcast. Yeah, um, I think we should have an episode on like each of these disorders. I know, <laughs> like, right? Yeah, we yeah, do have one on endometriosis in the past with Dr. Shannon Chavez, so I won't get into that one today. But that's also included in this. Awesome, very cool. Yeah, I just love that this is all being talked about. Truly, it's like got to desensitize it. Um, so yeah, when there is IC, is like the the easier way to say interstitial cystitis. Um, but there's a component of pelvic floor where it gets really tight as well. And there's too much tension. So learning how to relax. And there's a lot of other recommendations that pelvic floor therapists provide for that population. Okay. Interstitial cystitis. Um, the next one that I have on my list is vestibulodynia. Yeah, you are so good. Yeah, vestibulodynia. <laughs> so the vestibule... I just want, pra- I just want praise. <laughs> yeah, you're so good. I'm really impressed. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. <Mommy. laughs> <Really good. laughs> um, so the vestibule, which anyone that's ever been in a tent probably knows, it's just like the opening. And so there's this very special part of the vaginal canal right around the opening called the vestibule. And that kittendinia is just pain. <clears throat> so vestibulodynia is pain in that area. And when there's pain in that area, you guessed it, there's also a component of pelvic floor tension. And so ladies will, when they come in, rarely do people come in and say, I have vestibulodynia, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they'll just say, nothing. I can't put anything inside me. I've never been able to use a tampon. Fingers are a no-go. Penis feels like a wall. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Not even a wall. There's just burning right around that opening. And, um, so that's what we treat. I have heard different beliefs on this and I'm kind of of the belief that it does impact. Um, but I have had a lot of clients who have something called, um, hormonally induced Induced. vestibulodynia. And so 
what that means is I've been seeing a lot of folks who have been on hormonal birth control for a long time and are now having pain of the vestibule, pain of the opening. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on that because I've also heard OBG say like, oh no, like um, hormonal birth control doesn't cause pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are definitely different camps depending on what provider and practitioner you're talking to, but the vestibule is lined with hormonal receptors. So any changes in or imbalances in a hormone in that human might be printed out as changes in the vestibule. So now you're asking, okay, when, when are there hormonal changes? Oral birth control definitely are hormones, right? Breastfeeding, definitely you're going to have some hormonal changes. Menopausal, perimenopausal times, you're going to have hormonal changes. So that would be hormonally induced vestibulodynia. There's also neuroproliferative and different categories in vestibulodynia, um, but we won't get all into that too. That's for another one. <laughs> one of my favorite things that I hear you talking about, just because the ease of which you say it is um, buttholes. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and rectum. And you, yeah. I don't think you say buttholes, but you say like rectum or like yeah. Yeah. Um, sphincter muscles. And I still can't say the word sphincter without laughing just because of <laughs> Wayne's world it. or my life or whatever. But um, where does the, where does the butthole fit into all of this? Where does the butthole? Okay. So you can have, as you just said, butthole pain. So you can have rectal pain, right? Yes. Um, constipation. There's a I mean, external anal sphincter. There's specific muscles that are in charge of that area. And so when they're not balanced, if they're either weak or if they're too tight, then they're not going to function correctly, whether that's toileting or sitting or other... Or anal. Or anal sex. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. It is so interesting to me to see like what can come out of a rectum versus the relaxation it takes to put bigger things into the rectum. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. So people, <laughs> especially cause you can evaluate the pelvic floor vaginally or rectally. And sometimes when I have a conversation with someone and it's like, Hey, you know, you might benefit from a rat of, of, instead of a vaginal, a rectal pelvic floor assessment and their eyes get really big sometimes. And I'm like, <laughs> And it's going to, and I explain, of course, that it's going to be with my finger and I get the model out and all that. And sometimes the eyes are still big. I'm like, well, think about the poop that you had last, like, and look at the size of my finger, you know, like it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. But then why can't more of us put giant sex toys in our butt so easily? <laughs> question of the day. Great question. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, it's about relaxation, right? Like, it, it, uh, yeah. Relaxation, trust, and consent, definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, usually when you're pooping, maybe you're feel. Hopefully, you're feeling relaxed and, and you're consenting safe. to be pooping and safe. Absolutely, but some people aren't. I talk a lot about yes. like, how do you feel in the the bathroom, or like, do you have a screaming child on the other side of the bathroom that's like, "Mommy, mommy," you know, like, do you have a safe environment, or do you like the people you live with, or do you have some traumatic experience toileting, or that's like the, um, some of the people that come in and we call them the JICers, like the just in casers when they pee just in case. And it's like, they've maybe been taught that maybe because their mom was like, Oh, do you have to go? Okay. We'll go just in case. And it's like, no, listen to your body, ask your bladder. Do you actually have to go? Right. So you can train your bladder to be a little bit on the smaller side and overreact. So you have those, those incorrect messages saying, Oh, I got to go to the brain. 
I have some people I need to call about that for my yeah. friends. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where I imagine like the term anal retentive comes oh, from. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say that. So the body is a printout of what's going on. And sometimes when the, the muscles around the rectum and the, the anal tissues are tight, it does match a personality for sure. So if, when you call someone a tight ass, like it really oh, could be describing for sure. something for them because they're so stressed that their muscles are yeah. hypertonic or yeah, like exactly much. Yep. You got it. Yeah. So that person might be a little bit more on the constipated side. They might have some pelvic discomfort. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And that is not an exhaustive list of all of the type of pain and stuff that comes up. Um, because like, Dr. Shireen said we could use an episode for each of these things. But one thing that I would love to cover before we wrap up is um, the work that you do with folks who have done gender confirmation surgeries. And for folks who don't know what that is, that's sort of the more acceptable term for quote unquote sex change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm glad we talked about dyspareunia and we didn't say it, but vaginismus is, is a kind of dyspareunia. Um, a lot of times in that person's rehab, we'll introduce dilator work, which are um, like little tools that can be inserted vaginally to slowly relax the muscles, relax the mind, and create more space in the pelvic floor and the vaginal canal. That Those dilators are used post-gender-affirming surgeries too, right? When folks come in post um, gender confirmation surgery, what does that work look like, and why might they need that support? Yeah, so when you turn a penis into a vagina, there's a lot of changes in the pelvic floor, and we have to work with that person to teach them how to void properly and how to use dilators. A lot of times after the surgery, um, nurses are just issue they nurses will issue the person dilators and say okay go and use them but physical therapists i know that's like saying you know to someone that's never been to the gym like go to the gym and go work out it's the craziest thing so i think guidance and um, a rehab specialist is very needed in that area and that's something again that i'll hear people like why didn't anybody tell me about this earlier because there's a lot of scar tissue that can happen after surgery, um, any surgery, just like any surgery and that needs to be worked on. So that's something that it's kind of like my career goal. Like it should be gold standard after gender affirming surgeries, definitely after having babies and any sort of urogynecological surgery, colorectal surgery, um, just like orthopedic surgeries. And so I think I've talked about this maybe on the podcast before, but if you're tuning in for the first time, the penis and the vulva have a lot of similar anatomical correlations. Um, And why isn't it then just so easy to make this transition? I guess like, yes, it requires a lot of surgery, but like if you have a constructed vulva, I imagine it can't sort of lubricate on its own. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. So then there's a lot of education there of topical remedies and like how to care for your neo-vagina. And where have you seen is the pleasure then experienced for folks when they have gone from having a penis to having a vulva? It's different for everybody, truly. 
And it's funny. There's just one, like a pleasure is always. I was just going to say that just like anything. Um, and it's, I love asking someone that had a penis and now they have a vagina and like, tell me the differences of your orgasms. And somebody said to me, one is like a big shotgun. Like when I had a penis and then now that I have a vagina, it's kind of like this slow, rumbly, like almost like an earthquake kind of thing. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. So, did they say they had a preference or it was just different? No, it was just different. What about the other way? Have you seen folks who had a vulva and now have a penis? Yes. Um, and that's typically the in that realm. Um, they'll come in with something that's called pudendal neuralgia. So just pain along the pudendal nerve, which is one of the main nerves that innervate the pelvic floor, which interesting enough, talking about Latin again, um, is it's actually called the shame nerve, which is so interesting to me. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, it should Wait, be say more about that. So people who have pudendal neuralgia, there's a connection to shame. Well, no, just pudendal means shame in Latin. Yeah. And that's so crazy. Do you think there is a connection for people who have pudendal nerve issues and shame? I think so. Probably because they, I mean, people with pudendal neuralgia will have, you know, rectal pain, lots of sitting pain, perineal pain, sometimes penis pain, sometimes clitoral pain. Um, something, some, something that's called PGAD, I'm sure like persistent arousal disorder. Um, and so that can be really shameful for people to even talk about and not know who to talk about it with. But that's what's great about the pelvic floor work is usually folks who are going to do that, I would encourage them to also work with a therapist or somebody else. And so you really have like a team of people on your side. But as we wrap up, I would love to know if you just have any tips for someone who's maybe trying to make that transition or feeling nervous about reaching out to somebody like you um, to start getting some help. I would encourage I would encourage you to reach out. I this is what pelvic floor therapists specialize in and there's, you know, I'll hear so much like this might be a stupid question before questions are asked and it's like no, there's no such thing. This is a safe place for you to get to know your body and learn more about it so then you know the language of your body. Yeah, I mean Dr. Shireen can say sphincter and not even smile. So you know that she's comfortable hearing most things. Well, now you're laughing about it. <laughs> she can yeah. hear most things and is not going to shock her. No, not at all. Just a body. Okay, so how can people follow what you're doing? How can folks check out your work? How can they hire you? Oh, cool. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um Instagram, Dr. Pelvic Whisper. Right now, I'm a little bit of a pelvic floor gypsy, which is so fun. I'm covering for a very good friend who's on maternity leave at Enlightened Physical Therapy in Santa Monica. And then I spend most of my days at Sartan Physical Therapy in Los Alamitos, California. And then I also work for it's called Restored Physique, and it's the only concierge company for mamas, mostly pregnant and postpartum, that just kind of following the um, the midwifery and the home birth model. And so we'll go into mama's houses and provide care. 
I love that. And the word midwifery always just gets me every time. It's such a good word. Midwifery. <laughs> midwifery. <laughs> okay. And if you want to follow what I'm doing at Sluts and Scholars, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. And if you need some resources or to, to connect with any resources, you can email me at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. Thank you, Dr. Shireen. Thank you, Nicoletta. This was so much fun. I love that I can be in my robe and my smoothie and just hang with you. Let's do it again. Yes, you look really lovely in this robe. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right, we'll see you next week. Okay, bye.